the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices. I don't have to show you any stinking vices. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. I spent enough time in the first hour on the almost nothing burger. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do any more. I'm not gonna do any more today. I'm, I might touch base on it with Melissa Francis if I, if I have time. Might ask her about how it might be affecting, you know, consumer confidence or the markets when the distraction, when lawmakers use fake news or nothing burger stories as an excuse not to do their work. I might do that. Before I get into Rand Paul and his latest offerings, let me get into another story that is that I think is eminently more uh, useful to talk about than nothing stories. University of Missouri. Now, you guys remember University of Missouri was the, the epicenter of the the buttercup movement, the Black Lives Matter, buttercup, statist, collectivist Nazis. You guys remember the red-headed freak of nature by the name of Melissa Click? She was, ironically, a communications professor at Mizzou. And she showed up with all of these racist protests going on. I call them racist because they were anti-white. Uh, these anti-white protests going on in Mizzou. And Melissa Click, again, a communications professor, tried to command journalists to stop covering the protests. And when the protests said, no, we've got a right to, or when the uh, journalists said, we've got a right to be here, she called in the muscle. Hey, can we get some muscle over here? Take care of these folks. You guys remember her, right? This, this redheaded freak, Melissa Click. She became emblematic of the intolerant left. This is two years ago. And this was a write-up. I think this was a Blaze story. Yeah, uh, Dave Urbanski wrote this up. And there has been some some data, if you will. Again, this is, this is hard data as opposed to all the supposition that we have been treated to in, the, uh, in this whole Donald Trump collusion fiasco. Oh, by the way, wh- while, while I am speaking about this, because this, this is tied together, also on the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page, I wrote this today. After watching the the funeral for the slain police officer in New York, beautiful black, innocent police officer who was just sitting in one of the mobile command centers and a coward came up and shot her dead. I said, an innocent black female officer is gunned down. Where are the Black Lives Matter protests? 
Where are the liberals demanding justice? They're nowhere to be found. You can find, this is the third post from the top of the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page. And the liberals showed up, folks. Oh, they showed up and they tried to defend the absence of Black Lives Matter. And they just don't like when their left-wing causes are, are revealed and challenged. Because Black Lives Matter, folks, is not a, is not a group that is out there to protect black lives or to protest the unjust taking of black lives. This woman's life was taken unjustly. She was an, a woman who, who was taking care of her infirmed mother and her three kids. Her life was wrongly taken and there were no protests. Black lives are wrongly taken every single day in Chicago. And nobody protests. So Black Lives Matter is just a, a group that we have on tape calling for the death of white people. Calling for the death of police officers. They are a hate group. They are a separatist group. They are an anarchist group. Their main agenda is to advance liberalism. Total state control. That's their agenda. And they're trying, when I say they're anarchists, they're trying to destroy the current system. So, I wrote that, and of course, if you guys want to join in the fray, I highly encourage you, go to the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page, and you can engage with some real leftists some real left-wingers who are trying to say that Black Lives Matter didn't call for the death of, quote, crackers, that Black Lives Matter didn't chant pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. And you'll have some fun. This, this is a prime, a prime opportunity for you to, to actually confront some of these real-life leftists, products of Barack Obama, products of Hillary Clinton, products of... Nancy Pelosi and Harry Reid. You can engage them in a respectful manner. Debate the issue, of course. But you can engage them. So back to Mizzou. There has been some, some statistics that have been gathered. And the University of Missouri, let me read the top couple of stanzas here. Two years since the spate of race-fueled headline-dominating student protests at the University of Missouri... The school says freshman enrollment at the main Columbia campus has fallen more than 35%. More than 35%. <laughs> Again, Dave Urbanski, check this out on the, uh, the Blaze. It's, it's a great write-up. Had a lot of responses from you all already. But, uh, hey, if I were a parent, I wouldn't want to send my kid to that freak fest, would you? I wouldn't want my child... To, to be learning from the likes of Melissa Click. Uh, I mean, do, the, do they offer Nazi studies there at... <laughs> Nazi-esque studies at Ole Mizzou? I, uh, I, I, I don't blame parents. And you see, whenever left-wing extremism is exposed, folks, people recoil. People turn away people abandon them 
So I am. You know what this reminds me of, Ellie? All of these folks who were on these campuses, these, these, are, these are the same mental midgets who promised that if Donald Trump were elected, they'd be leaving the country. And we, remember, Ellie, we, we, we tried to aid these folks. We, we wanted to help them fulfill their promise to leave the United States of America because America would be so much better if left-wingers left. If liberals left America, America would be stronger, more prosperous. We'd, we'd all be better off if, the, if these individuals kept their promise. And we, we tried our level best to get them. Want to get away? Have those post-election blues got you down? Announcing a service just for you. Conservatives United presents the Buttercup Progressive Relocation Service. We specialize in facilitating liberals' exodus out of the United States so they can make good on their promise to leave in the wake of a Trump election win. We will send you to exotic destinations, countries that match your ideological persuasion. We have packages to Venezuela, Cuba, China, and Saudi Arabia. And if you act now, you can get our relocation special to the People's Republic of Iran. And there's great news. Because of Obama's nuke deal, we can offer you a 50% discount. You see, your tax dollars have already been paid to the number one state sponsor of terror. Operators are standing by. Call 1-800-I-LOVE-MAL. That's 1-800-I-LOVE-MAL. Our former IRS operators are waiting to take your call. The Buttercup Progressive Relocation Service. Try it now. No, really, try it now. And oddly enough, nobody, we, we didn't have one liberal sign up to leave the United States of America. As a matter of fact, we gained a, a freaking liberal. What George Clooney. George Clooney's coming back to the United States. You know why? Because Europe's permissive immigration system from countries of radicalized Islamic fundamentalist origin, uh, they're making his, his villa unsecure. <laughs> George Clooney's you know what? You know who tweeted about this? Our buddy Scott Baio. Uh, Scott Baio, who was a conservative, uh, and uh, which is probably why he's no longer working in Hollywood. He's a conservative. He was asking on Twitter. This was a couple of days ago. What's the matter, Georgie? A uh, li- little too much of that progressive love for radicalized Islamic fundamentalist terrorists. That getting you down? <laughs> I'll be back in a minute, folks. We'll hear from Rand Paul on the, the reality of what's going on with this health care debate inside of the U.S. Senate. Coming up, the Chris Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. Dial in, let it out. 888-900-3393. This is the Chris Salcedo Show, part of Generation Blaze on The Blaze Radio Network. All right, welcome back, everybody. Melissa Francis comes up at the bottom of the hour here on the Chris Salcedo Show from Fox Business. If if I have time to get to what I want to get to with her, uh, all the important stuff that may actually impact your life, I may ask about this whole thing with, you know, I, I was just looking on Facebook and one of the those who follows me on Facebook was saying, you know, 
the the biased press keeps on saying that this this lawyer has ties with Russia, has ties to the Russian government, but nobody has established that. There's no proof of that. And nobody has articulated and, and signaled proof of that. Just And we, we, we brought this up yesterday. And isn't that indicative of this whole thing? This whole farce? No proof. No proof of collusion. No proof this, this woman was at all associated with the Kremlin. As a matter of fact, she has more association with Democrats and liberals like John McCain. 888-933-93-888-900-3393. Rand Paul letting the cat out of the bag just before we came on the air here about what the Senate is up to behind closed doors. American people was that we would repeal Obamacare. Now it looks like we're voting, if this bill goes through, we're voting to keep Obamacare. I'll be happy to take a couple questions. Nice uh, two-part question. First off, do you still intend to vote against the motion to proceed? And then second off, in that meeting, did it get contentious at all? Were there, were there raised voices? Was there yeah. some frustration? <laughs> um, I think... A large part of the frustration in our caucus is that this bill no longer is repeal and they're being asked to vote for something that we never promised. We promised the American voters that we would repeal Obamacare, but when you're keeping half the taxes, most of the regulations, and creating a brand new insurance bailout super fund, that to most people just doesn't look like repeal. I will vote against the motion to proceed. Insurance bailout super fund. Who wrote the bill? Who wrote the bill? The insurance companies, folks. The traitorous insurance companies who collaborated with Obama to screw all of you out of your hard-earned money. They are being allowed by Mitch McConnell to write this bill. Got to have that, that got to have that taxpayer fund to make sure they get theirs or what they perceive as theirs. Actually, Mitch McConnell is ensuring not that the insurance companies get theirs. Mitch McConnell is ensuring the insurance companies get yours. What a, what a joke. What a, what a travesty and what a betrayal of the American people. The Republican leadership in the Senate is. Now, who's going to go along with Mitch McConnell? Who's going to go along with this? What, Collins, Graham, McCain, Corker? Uh, what is that guy's name? Hoven? Not Heaven. Hoven over in Nevada. All of these pretend conservatives. They're not, they're not conservatives. Help. They can barely lay claim to being Republicans. Uh, This bailout super fund basically keeps money flowing into the government. It doesn't repeal Obamacare. I just, I, I don't know what else to say other than this is precisely what we feared we'd get. That Mitch McConnell is gonna is gonna come out with a bill. And he's going that his job, he believes, just like it was Obama, Obama's job uh, to to snow the American people, not to inform us. 
Obama looked at his job. Remember when ISIS formed? Obama's job, he thought about it, was to tell the American people that it was no big deal. JV team, right? I'm a clerk. No big deal. Nothing to see here. Meantime, Obama was being told it was a big deal. So here's Mitch McConnell who's saying, look, the American people sent us here to repeal this. So Mitch McConnell is, is dreaming up a way to try to convince you that this is an actual repeal bill. So Mitch McConnell, like Barack Obama, is trying to invent a way to BS you. To make to, to basically claim, oh, we repealed Obamacare. No, well, really what they did is they just took Obamacare and put a Republican name on it. And that's supposed to be good enough for you. Now, you know what this is going to lead to. Massive Republican losses. This will lead to massive Republican losses because the American people aren't as stupid as Mitch McConnell thinks you are. The American people aren't as idiotic to fall for, oh, well, the Republicans now are saying this is, this is, uh, can I do my pinky voice from uh, Running Scared? Oh, no, the Republicans, they're now, they're now doing health care. It looks a lot like Obamacare, but now that there's an R in front of it, it must be okay. Oh, no. <laughs> Ellie, you remember that? <laughs> oh, yes. Did you ever, did you ever do, take my advice and, and see Running Scared? That was one of the greatest buddy cop movies of all time. Uh, starring Billy Crystal, who was still with us, and Gregory Hines, who was no longer with us, sadly. But it was one of the greatest cop buddy movies of all time. And the guy, I'm doing, I'm imitating Billy Crystal doing one of the characters from that movie. Oh, no. Here comes Mitch McConnell. He's going to try to shoot sunshine up my ass and tell me that this is a repeal bill. Oh, no. <laughs> and Rand Paul says, you know what? I don't want to play. I don't want to play. I'm done. I'm, I, I mean, th th this is not a repeal bill. The, and, and you know what? What Mitch McConnell is orchestrating here is for Republicans to take ownership of the failed Obamacare experiment. That's what he's orchestrating. Uh, my desire, my suggestion is that an actual repeal effort happens and then everybody comes, and, and then Mitch McConnell says, we repealed Obamacare, it's over and it's done. Now, let's, let's all get together. See, Susan Collins is like, uh, 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 we want to make sure that we don't repeat the same mistakes of the, uh, uh, of the Democrats who didn't get one single Republican vote on Obamacare. We don't want to repeat that mistake. This is not the time for that, sweetheart. Do the full repeal first, get rid of Obamacare, and then say, okay, Democrats, now let's team up. And now let's hammer out together a compromise replacement that is free market-based, and, and you can have, you know, your commensurate representation that's your representative in government in the bill. Melissa Francis, next. You're listening to The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Plays. On the Blaze Radio Network.
taking in a little Latin flair with Chris Salcedo on the Blaze Radio Network. I could talk to you for an hour, seriously. Melissa Francis, everybody. Lessons from the Prairie, the surprising secrets to happiness, success, and sometimes just survival I learned on America's favorite show. Hope to get you back, Melissa, here on the program. Can I we really back, please I want to come back soon. You promise? I promise. You'll we'll get you back on because right. there's there's plenty in the economy we gotta talk about. There you go. And promise kept. Here she is, everybody. <laughs> Melissa Francis from Fox Business back here. I, I feel I like love Donald Trump. You. That was I, so cute. I feel I like it. Donald Trump. I'm keeping promises left and right here. Um <laughs> I'm glad you made it back. Absolutely. Hey, look, uh, we have you. A, no problem. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, too. Uh, let me start off. Uh, this is Eric Greitens. He's the governor of Missouri uh, telling uh, actually Fox News that he signed a law to do the following. Listen. I ran to bring more jobs to Missouri and we need to have more private sector paychecks and bigger private sector paychecks here. But unfortunately, we had politicians in St. Louis who passed a bill that would have failed on both counts. It was killing jobs. And despite what liberals would tell you, it was actually taking money out of people's pockets. So he cuts the minimum wage in Missouri. What, what's your take on this? Genius. Genius. I am looking at Seattle right now where they raised the minimum wage and then they did a study and people on the minimum wage took home on average $125 less per paycheck after they cut the minimum wage, less per month, pardon me, per month. After they, after, sorry, after they raised it, they raised it, they took home less money. Let me make it more simple so that everybody can understand, including myself. <laughs> they were losing money once they got a raise. There you go. Because uh-huh. when you increase the price of labor, then the person making the decisions uses less labor. It's so obvious. They only have so much margin. The principle is that the guy at the top is loaded and getting rich. And that's just not happening. I mean, when you look at the average McDonald's, only maybe 10% of them are owned by the corporation. The rest are little small business owners who own one McDonald's or maybe two. Don't get me wrong. It's a great business and they're doing well, but their margin is really small. I mean, when I talk to people that own a White Castle, the margin is just pennies. They don't have that much room to raise the price of labor. The only way to do it would be to dramatically raise the price of a burger. You do that, your customers go away. They don't have the room for that right now. So what do they do? They use less labor when it becomes more expensive. It's very simple. It's very straightforward. You are hurting the very people that you're trying to help. The real answer is to recognize that a minimum wage job is your entry into the job market. I had a bunch of minimum wage jobs. They were great. That's how you get started in an industry when you have no experience and no skills. There's no other reason to hire someone with no experience and no skills other than because you can get them cheap. Then when you obtain those skills, you move up. You become the manager. You leave. You go somewhere else. You get a different job that pays better. When you make that entry job more expensive, there's less of it. Fewer people get into the workforce. Fewer people get that first job. Fewer people move up. Instead, what you have to do is get people in, get them started, get them moving up, get them trained for the jobs where you make money, get them trained in tech, get them trained in health care, all the places that are paying right now. He's exactly right. Lowering the minimum wage would be the smart thing, but we've gotten so backward in this society, and the left has gotten so great at dominating the message that we don't even believe that math any longer. We don't trust our own logic, but there was a group of people in the last election that trusted their own brain and trusted the logic and went, you know what? I think what these other people are talking about here doesn't make any sense and hasn't worked. And we need to take a chance. 
That's true. And you know what? As, as a matter of fact, because of the Obamacare legislation, another brilliant idea from the American left, that you've got now uh, individuals and these minimum wage increases, you've got individuals who are in their 50s competing with teenagers. And of course, businesses are going to hire the more experienced people if they have to pay right. $15 an hour and they have to give them insurance. They're going to hire the adults and that way the kids don't get their work experience. You brought up Seattle, Melissa, and you took me right where I wanted to go because this is Seattle has turned into a factory of bad ideas. They just they really imposed, <laughs> they imposed a 2.5% wealth tax on its residents yeah. and i say this is a good thing because i live in the great state of texas that means that soon <laughs> there will be a whole batch of of entrepreneurs a whole batch of capital coming to my state to flee the oppression of seattle i'm on the right track here you absolutely are they are a factory of bad ideas i mean they must be like growing them on trees and in their backyard and in gardens everywhere because if you want a bad idea they used to all come from san francisco but now seattle is sort of monopolizing them do you know that that tax starts on people who make two hundred and fifty thousand dollars? those are the super rich in their opinion which I don't get me wrong, that is a pretty penny, but in Seattle, it doesn't really go that far because Microsoft mm -hmm. is in Seattle and there's a ton of tech in Seattle and people make a lot of money in Seattle. So if you want to buy a house, you're going to pay a heck of a lot more because you're competing with all of these other people who are making big money. So 250 isn't what you think it is and all of a sudden they're taxing all these people to pay for stupid programs. I mean, if that's the other thing is that when they impose these taxes, what kills me is where that money is going down the drain to these government officials who are so bad at using money. I mean, they're so bad at making decisions because it's not theirs. And they're just like, well, whatever, I'll overpay for this. That's fine. I mean, that's where this money is going. It's so idiotic. I cannot even take it. That is why I wrote this book. So when I look back and people say to me, Roger Ailes said this to me when I came to Fox. He goes, let me get this straight. You grew up in Hollywood. You were on TV your whole life. Then you went to Harvard. Then you moved to New York. Why aren't you a liberal whack job? How yeah. is that possibly not the case? And I had to trace the thread of my life. And honest to God, this was my inspiration for writing the book. I had to trace the thread in my life of how I didn't become a lunatic. And I was like, well, when I look back on Little House in the Prairie, first of all, if you ever read the books or watched the show, these are people who were, you know, almost taken down by locusts, wolves, Native Americans. They would go out west and pick a plot of land just to mind their own business and grow their crops and try and have a decent life and be left alone. And the government came in and told them, guess what? We moved the line that's not your property anymore mm. i mean i read this and i was like oh my gosh they were the original robbed homesteaders who would go out and try and do something and then they had to have to pull up stakes and i mean literally pull up the stakes and take the nails out and put them in their pocket because you couldn't waste nails when you had to go to your new home and rebuild it i mean these people just kept battling back and this is a true story after that so that's the book then the show behind the scenes michael landon was a pioneer in hollywood he was one of the first people who realized to get the government and the studio off your back you had to own the show write it direct it produce it he was the first one there in the morning the last one to leave at the end of the day he worked so hard he was cheap as hell and he taught us all those values and we made something great that people loved and we made money for ourselves and we worked together and we felt good and we were proud and i was like isn't that great isn't that a great way to live that's how i'm gonna live my life and I went out and I did the same thing. I worked minimum wage jobs. I got into news and I've carried these values with me. I wrote about them in the book. I'm teaching them my kids. And there you go.
Well, the name of the book, Lessons from the Prairie, The Surprising Secrets to Happiness, Success, and Sometimes Just Survival, I Learned on America's Favorite Show, the author, one of the stars at Fox Business, Melissa Francis, and first off, promise kept, who's your buddy? You who's are. Your, who's you your are pal? my best friend. You, you. <laughs> All right, you Melissa Francis. Friend. And to any of your listeners, if, they, yeah. if you buy the book on Amazon or wherever, I love radio listeners. Send it to me here at Fox Headquarters, 1211 6th Avenue. The mailman here thinks I'm crazy. You can Google us online, find Fox Headquarters, send it here. I will sign it and send it back to you. Or I'll get the signature of the Fox talent you like better. You tell me who you like. I'll get them to sign my book, whatever I, it hey. is. I love all I love all the folks that I, I like a lot of the folks there at, at Fox Business. You are the best. Melissa Francis, everybody. Oh, thank you. Appreciate you being here on the Salcedo show. We'll get you back on, promise. Yes, please, Sal. You if you promise again, I'm coming back again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I think she meant it. Uh triple eight. 900-3393-888-900-3393. And I'm glad we ran out of time because I didn't want to get in I didn't want to ask her. About the email scandal. Just any more scandals. Any the scandal. The nothing burger. See, they, they got me doing it. All right. We are awaiting Vice President Pence to speak live on um, the negotiations and the back and forth of, well, hold on a minute. This is Lexington, Kentucky. Vice President Pence, I think, is at the podium. I think this is live. Let me, yeah, it is, uh, 4.43 Eastern. Hold on, stand by. Of the United States, Mike Pence is speaking live, and you've been watching in the last few minutes in Lex Lexington, uh, Kentucky, trying to push forward with the agenda of this administration on a number of different issues. You heard him talk about helping small business on cutting back on regulations. Yes, but we want him to address health care and what's happening in health care, or what's, well, well, more to the point, what's not happening in health care as it pertains to the Republican-controlled Senate. Back in a minute, everybody, the Chris Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. Keep up with the Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on The Blaze Radio Network. The Chris Salcedo Show. Listen. Dial. Speak. 888-900-3393. We take you live to the floor of the U.S. Senate. The number two man in the Senate, Senator John Cornyn, the senior senator from the state in which I'm broadcasting, talking about health care, quote-unquote, reform. We'll see a Medicaid patient. She's seen an influx of these Medicaid patients who ostensibly have coverage coming to the emergency room for their primary care. As she points out, this is not a good situation for patients and hospitals. In my state, according to the latest survey of the Texas Medical Association that I've seen, only 31% of doctors in Texas will see a new Medicaid patient. Now that may sound crazy, but let me explain why. Because Medicaid basically pays a physician about half of what private insurance pays when it comes to see a patient, many of them simply say, well, I can't afford to see a lot of Medicaid patients. I need to balance that or at least make sure I see enough private insurance patients to make sure I can keep the doors open. Well, it's not only that, but because they expanded Medicaid, 
there are so many more people. The doctors can't handle the, the influx of individuals seeking treatment. We know what the problem is. We know the cancer that is Obamacare. See, this, this doesn't portend well, folks, to, the, to what's going to happen around the corner. When their focus is on, well, what's work, Obamacare isn't working. And this and this and this and this, it isn't working, it isn't working, it isn't working. We know, everybody knows that. Hell, even the Democrats know that. It's what you're going to do to rid us of Obamacare, or are you really going to rid us of Obamacare? That's the fundamental question. And I don't hear a lot of Republican senators even talking about that. Are you going to stop the oppressive taxation? I don't hear that. Save from Ted Cruz, from Rand Paul, from Mike Lee. Uh, before I leave you today, let me give you a couple of stories here. To, to just because you're, you're still going to hear this steady diet, folks, of, of Donald Trump Jr. And, and what happened. Let me assure you there are some members of Congress who are working on your behalf. The chairman of the House National Security Committee is calling on the Department of Justice to launch a formal investigation into former FBI Director James Comey, alleged leak of classified information. According to the exclusive interview with the Washington Free Beacon, in which the lawmaker also called on the Trump administration to purge all former Obama administration holdovers from government. Congressman Ron DeSantis, Republican from Florida, a member of the House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform and chair of its National Security Subcommittee, is urging Attorney General Jeff Sessions, who was a guest on this show just yesterday, to launch a full-scale investigation into Comey's handling of a series of potentially classified memos that were leaked to the press earlier this year. Not only that, but Mr. DeSantis is asking for an investigation into former Obama administration officials, too, for their leaking of classified intelligence. Going after the leakers. Last thing. From the Daily Caller. Many journalists reacted breathlessly to a New York Times report on Sunday revealing that President Trump's oldest son, Donald Trump Jr., met with a Russian lawyer who indicated she had damaging information about Hillary. Donald Trump Jr. admitted to the June 16th meeting. To which he brought a campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, Jared Kushner, but downplayed the significance. Many Trump critics claim the New York Times report supported the theory that members of the Trump campaign were somehow involved in Russian government hacking of the Clinton campaign chair and John Podesta, yada, yada, yada. But Trump Jr., Kushner, Manafort, alone meeting with a Russian lawyer, pales when it compared to the coordination between Clinton allies and Ukrainian government officials who hoped to see Clinton win in 2016. Political revealed in January some of the Ukrainian government's anti-Trump activities during the election. Veteran DNC operative who previously worked in the Clinton White House, Alexandra Chalupa, worked with the Ukrainian government officials and journalists from both Ukraine and America to dig up Russia-related opposition research on Trump and Manafort. She also shared her anti-Trump research with both DNC and the Clinton campaign. Chalupa met with Ukrainian Ambassador Valley, Va, uh, Valery Chali and one of his aides, uh, Oksara Shular, 
at the Ukrainian embassy in 2016. Ladies and gentlemen, what the Hillary Clinton team and the DNC did pales. I'm sorry, what Donald Trump Jr. did pales in comparison to what the Democrats were up to. And if the Democrats weren't guilty of any wrongdoing, certainly Donald Trump Jr. wasn't. Does it look good? No. On both sides, it doesn't look good. Remember, everybody, a society's worth isn't measured by how much power is seized by its government, but rather how much power is reserved for we the people. Grand day, all. See you tomorrow. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you.